great day today? All right, how many of y'all had a bad day today? All right, a few of you. We'll pray. We'll pray for you. Amen. All right, Joshua chapter 3. Uh, we're going we're gonna to just jump right in there. Uh, we're going to go through the outline, some of the things that we see. And then at the end of it, I want to just give a, just a one, two, three, four, just some things that stand out in this thing that just kind of like a, a brief, okay, an overview of everything we just studied tonight, all right? So let's look in Joshua 3 in verse number 1. Are you there? Say amen. amen. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Say it again. Go after it. You know, sometimes we just need to go after it. Amen? Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua sent, or said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant, and pass over the people, before the people. And they took up the ark of the covenant, and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. And say that with me. Ye shall stand still. That's hard to do. In the midst of your obstacle, sometimes it's hard to stand still and let God work. Amen? But he said, Stand still. In the Jordan, and Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither, and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out before you all the ites in the promised land. Say amen. amen. <laughs> Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth. Hey, don't make fun of me. You wouldn't want to say it either. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe of man. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. And it came to pass, what's that word? When... When, key word, I put little parentheses in, in my Bible, I wrote right there, I just, I just circled that word when. When the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as they that bear the Ark were come unto the Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of the harvest, that the waters that came down from above, in other words, up the stream, Above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city Adam, that is before Zaratan. And those that came down from the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed. In other words, all the tributaries that would, would flow into the, into the river, they ceased too. And the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that, 
There the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. <clears throat> thank you for a great crowd tonight. Thank you for people who are hungry to, to learn and to study and to better their lives and to become stronger Christians. Lord, we desperately we desperately need your word in the hour we're living in. And Lord, we, more than that, we need your spirit. We need your presence, Lord, to, to guide and direct and, and lead us in the way. And I pray your perfect will be done tonight. Help us as we study. Help us to retain what we're hearing. Lord, help us to retain what we're learning. And not only hear it, but do it. Apply it to our lives every single day. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, brief, brief review of where we're at. Here we are in the book of Joshua. Joshua is the next in command. God told Moses, go set my people free, bring them out of Egypt. They come out of Egypt. Uh, they go through the wilderness, spend 40 years in the wilderness because of disobedience and unbelief. Now they are right here on the edge of the promised land and receiving what God has promised, receiving the land of milk and honey, receiving the houses they didn't build, receiving the vineyards they didn't plant, receiving the, the wells they didn't dig, receiving all of the promises of God, a land of hills and valleys, a, a land of abundance, a land where, where spies have to carry one pot of grapes between two men. I mean, just an abundant providential blessing promise of God. Here we are on the edge. Moses is dead. Now Joshua takes over. God has spoken to Joshua. First he spoke to Moses. Moses is off the scene. Here comes Joshua. Joshua is next in command. Here we go. Now, we have promises. We have the blessings. We have all of this stuff that God's wanting to give us. But guess what? In between us and our promise and our blessing and all that we're looking for and all that we are seeking... And all that we are wanting, there's a river. And not just any river, but there's a river that at this particular time and at this particular place is overflowing its banks. In other words, at some times, it was only 100, 100 feet wide, possibly. At this particular time, it could have been a mile wide because of where they're at and when, when they're taking this and, and trying to go across. Now, here's the point. Here's the point. Sometimes when God gives us a promise, when God gives us a promise, we think we're just going to waltz into it. Sometimes when we read or when we see or when we even when we hear from God, we hear from God, God said, for instance, for instance, uh, God told Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. Did that just happen just like that? No. Listen, there was, there's so many times we run into obstacles. We run into problems. We run into issues. And what normally happens, what normally happens is we, as soon as we hit that problem, as soon as we hit that, that issue that's right in front of us, that river that's overflowing its banks, one of the things we normally do sometimes is say, well, it must not have been God. Or, or well, you know, I don't know why God's picking on me or why the devil, it's just the devil. It's not always that. And I'll show you that toward the end of this study, uh, the, the purpose of that river and that obstacle. But here's, here's what I want to do. I want to I go through this slowly. Let's just go through this chapter slowly and see some things. That God has seen 
some things are required if we're going to experience victory, okay? You remember, the, 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 the subject of this whole book is victory. Say that with me. It is victory. victory. It's being victorious in the Christian life and in the Christian walk. So there are some things that are required. Now, write this down and fill this in as your notes. If you, I didn't even ask if people needed any notes. Does everybody got your notes? Everybody, anybody need notes? You got anybody we need, we need to give that out? And that side, right here in the middle, right, Griggs, right here in the middle. Anybody else? Everybody got them up there? We want to make sure everybody does. I sh- there we go. There we go. Right here, Johnny. We got some right here. There we go. We're sharing the wealth. There we go. All right. We don't know. Nobody miss out. Here we go. Number one. Number one. Oh, I seen a hand. Somebody was pointing. Where was you pointing? Who had a hand up? Anybody need one? All right. There we go. All right. Cool. Now, write this down. Number one. There is a following required. Write that down. If we're going to experience victory in our Christian walk, if we're going to experience the blessings of God, if we're going to experience the power of God, the first thing that takes place, the first thing that we see here, is they are going to have to follow. Say that with me. They're going to have to There is a following required. God, listen, Joshua says, listen, when you, when you see this, when you see the Ark of the Covenant move, you get up and you, I love the terminology, you go after it. You go after it. You follow. There is a following that's required. Now, you say, what are we looking at? Brother Dustin, was, did you, have, I, don't need, I don't think he's it. Did he get you the picture of the Ark of the Covenant? Was he, did he able to do that? Can you put that up there for me? Let's start here if we can get that picture. All right. This is a, this is a replica or a, a rendition of what possibly the Ark of the Covenant looked like. When, when the, the nation of Israel came out of Egypt, when they came out of Egypt and they, they went to Mount Sinai first, God gave them instructions. God gave them laws. God gave them responsibilities. If y'all remember when he told them what to eat and what not to eat, couldn't eat pork, couldn't eat shellfish, all these things. He gave them dietary laws. He gave them customs. He gave them all kind of things to separate them from all of the rest of the nations of the world. That they were His peculiar people. They were special. They were individual. They were separate. They were called out to Him. He not only gave them that, but He gave them religious responsibilities. He gave them religious uh, requirements, if you will. He commanded them He commanded them to build this ark. Now, this ark had a purpose. This ark represented the presence of God. Now, you've got to understand this. It represented the presence of God. Those, those posts that you see in there, those poles, that's where they would carry, uh, the Levites would carry the ark from place to place. This ark would go before the people. When the ark moved, they moved. When the ark stopped, they stopped. God would lead them through this ark. And this ark was a type. It was, it was God's presence with them. It was something they could watch. It was something they could see. Now, in this ark... In this ark was the, the law, the law of Moses that God gave them on Mount Sinai. Is everybody with me? Say amen. Now, that is a type, we apply that today, that is the scriptures. It is our Bible. We have the word of God, okay? That is God's word was inside this ark. Now, when they were in the tabernacle, which was the temporary dwelling place, it was the movable place. Now, after the tabernacle, we have the temple. You remember Solomon built the temple? And in the tabernacle, <clears throat> there, was, there was an outer court, and then there was an inner place, which was called the holy place. 
Now, in that place was uh, the table of showbread, the altar of incense, and the golden candlestick. In, the, in other words, it's a huge tent, and in the first compartment was the table of showbread, the altar of incense, and the candlestick. The candlestick represented the presence or the Spirit of God in there. All right? Now, but behind that next curtain, behind that next curtain was the Ark of the Covenant. Now, on the top is called the mercy seat. Say that with me. It's called the... Now, according to Numbers, that is where the presence of God would rest while it was in the tabernacle. The Shekinah glory of God, what we would know of as the presence of God, would rest here. Only the high priest could go in here, and only once a year that he would go in with blood as the mercy seat and, and offer an atonement for the sins of the people. But that is where God's Spirit rested. His presence rested. So we have the Word of God on the inside of it and the Spirit of God resting upon it. If that makes sense, say amen. Okay? That, that, that ark would go before the people and lead them. Now, you say, what does that have to do with us? It teaches us how we are led. Now, what, what Joshua is telling the people, says when you see that box move, you get up and go, oh, come on. You get up and go, you go after it. You follow, you follow that box. You follow the ark. Now, what are they following? They're following the scriptures and they're following the spirit. They're following the same thing that we have to follow today. We have God's Word. But watch this. Watch this. <clears throat> there, there, the Scriptures are inside and the Spirit is resting on it. Here, the Scriptures are on the outside and the Spirit is on the You are the temple of God. Now watch. As you read the Scriptures, you will be moved on the inside by the Spirit of God. You will be guided on the inside by the Spirit of God. You will be directed on the inside by the Spirit of God. What's the point? We have the same thing. The very same thing they had in the wilderness. The very same thing that led them across the Jordan River and into the promised land you have in your lap and in your heart right now. Follow the Scriptures. He said in Joshua chapter number 1, he said, do everything you can to learn the law, to read the law. Do not let it depart out of your mouth because in following it and obeying it and knowing it, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. Somebody ought to say amen right there. We are led by the Scriptures. We are led by the Spirit of God. The same thing they had there we have today. What's the point? If you neglect your Bible, if you do not read your Bible, if you do not learn your Bible, who are you following? Let me, let me, let me give you a verse. Let me give you a verse. Look in verse number 4. Look in verse 4. Are you there? Are you there? Watch. Watch. In the middle part of that verse, in the middle part of that verse, look what it says. That ye may know the way by which ye must go. 
How are they going to know the way they must go? By following that te- by following the ark. The scripture and the spirit. All right? Here's a question. In your life, in the decisions you make every day, in the places you go, in the things you do, in the, in the careers you choose, every aspect of your life, how are you going to know which way to go? If you don't get up and go, you need to wake up every day, open your Bible, and go after it. You need to get on your knees and seek the Spirit of God and go after it. You need to learn to hear from God. Hey, listen, in the very beginning of this thing, if y'all remember, if y'all been through most of this study in Joshua, I, I said this in the very beginning. One of the most important things you could do to be victorious in your Christian life and to be successful and be prosperous and experience that is to learn to what? Hear from God. In other words, learn to listen to God. This is, this is the, the devotional packet that I, I got you to sign up for. Some of y'all have picked them up. Some of you haven't. I promise you, this will transform your life. It will teach you how to hear from God. I've had two different people. I've had two different people in, 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 recent, in recent weeks. Two different people that I encouraged. I said, take this home. And I want you to do your homework. Gave them homework. Take this devotional packet home. Do your homework. The first time they come in, it was, it was awful. They, just, they were just going through it. I mean, they were just going through hell on earth. Such a difficult time. And I mean, you could see it in their face. They were broken and tears dripping off their face. And I said, take this. This will help. It will, and, 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 and various other things there. The next time, both of them, both of them, next time they come in, they were glowing. I can't even describe it. I wish I took a video of it just to prove it, but just take my word for it. The second one that came in, the second one came in, I was sitting there, and I, I looked at the other person that's in the room with us. I said, do you notice something? I said, do you remember the second time the other person came in after they learned to hear from God? I said, it's the same look. It's the same glow. It's the same smile. You know why? Because they heard from God. They learned to spend time with God. Say, what did they both experience? Peace. Say, why did they experience peace? Because they've been hanging out with the Prince of Peace. You know why most of us are not victorious? We're just rambling around. We're not following anything. Some of us are following our instincts. But they say, well, preacher, I just follow my heart. How's that working for you? Let me tell you what the Bible says about your heart. It's deceitful. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. You know what that means? That means your heart will trick you. My heart has told me one time I needed a new vehicle. And then a couple months in, my wallet said, your heart lied. Come on, y'all. I'm not the only one. How many times your heart really said, and then when you, your heart will trick you. People say, oh, just go with your heart. No, don't do that. Don't go with your heart. It will trick you. It's flesh. It's fallible. 
It'll make mistakes. It'll, 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 it'll mess you up. It'll, it'll let you down. But guess what? That Bible won't. And the spirit that leads you, it'll never go astray. It says, he says, you need to make sure and go after it. Go after it because you don't know where you're going. And the only way you're going to know where you need to go is following the ark. And applying that is following the scriptures and the spirit of God inside of you. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, now, here's something important. I didn't really mean to put this much stuff with this on this particular sub point. But, but I think it's really important. Because God kept giving me stuff, so I kept putting it down. So apparently we need to get this. Uh, not, only, not only what they followed. I don't know if I, I gave you that one. Not only what they followed, but the way they followed. The way. Not the what, but the way. Say that with me. The, the way. Watch what it says. <clears throat> and guys, I, I'm just giving you verse by verse. Look here. Look what it says. Verse 4. He says in verse 3, go after it. He says, follow it. But then he gives a warning. Then he gives a warning. Verse number 4. He says, yet there shall be a a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Now, listen. That's about 1,000 yards. 3,000 feet. It's about 1,000 yards. In other words, you keep your distance. You keep your distance. Say, so what in the world is that all about? You've got to understand something. The Ark of the Covenant was sacred. The Ark of the Covenant was holy. And it held, and it, it, and it was the, 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 the symbol of the presence of God. And God takes it seriously. At one point, Nadab and Abihu was the sons of the priests, and they went in, and they offered strange fire on the altar. And, that, and, and some people believe they were drunk at the time because he gave them warnings about strong drink after that. But either way, they, listen, they were not respecting God or his presence, and God killed both of them. Then I went, I, I, I told you where to turn on there, but let me, let me, let me, let me just summarize just because of the time. You see there in 2 Samuel 6, 12 and 1 Chronicles 15, 1? Y'all see that? Okay, let me, let me explain that a minute. Let me explain that a minute. And I encourage you to go read both of those portions of Scripture. <clears throat> when Saul was killed, King Saul, King David was the second in, he was the one that was anointed to be king after King Saul. Y'all remember that? King Saul and Jonathan his son were both killed in battle with the Philistines. Okay, when that took place, when that took place, the Philistines took and captured the ark. And they took the ark. Well, when David takes over, he's now king. He goes and says, I'm going to bring the ark back. Because the ark, listen, wherever the ark went, there was blessings. Except in the enemy's camp, and then God cursed them. And that's a funny curse. You ought to go read it. It really is. It's not funny if you got it, but it was funny anyway. Some of y'all are curious now. You're going to go look it up. I hope you do. Uh, so he goes, he goes to get it. Now, the Philistines, the Philistines, and, and let me, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. When God gave them the instructions on building the ark, 
He also gave them instructions on how to handle it and how to carry it. Can I get that picture again? Can I get that picture again? Look here. You see those, you see those, those posts, those, those rods going through there? Those rods were for the shoulders of the, the priests or the Levites that were going to carry on their, on their arms. They could not touch it. Those rods would have to run through. When they would get it put in place, they would pull those rods back out. Are y'all with me? And, and they couldn't put it on a cart. God said, I don't want you to put it on a cart nowhere. I want it to be carried everywhere it goes. So he gave specific instructions on how to deal with it, how to handle it, how to carry it. Are y'all with me? Say amen. This is going to make sense. This may bore some of you, but I promise you this is pertinent information. Well, after it was taken by the Philistines, the Philistines carried it on a cart pulled with oxen. All right? They were pulling something of God, but they did it the world's way. You with me? When David, if you'll read this, you'll read this when you read these two portions of Scripture. Well, when David became king, he said, boys, we got to go get the ark back. Hey, we need to go get the presence of God back. The blessings are on the ark. So here they go. They go and get the ark, and they're all excited. They're having a big time. And guess what they do? They put it on a cart. In other words, they try to handle God's stuff the world's way. And here they go. I mean, they're having a big time. Everything's rocking on pretty good. They're riding the car. They're celebrating. Woo, we're bringing the ark back. And all of a sudden, the, the wagon, it rocks on them. And it looks like, it looks like the ark is going to spill out of the wagon. So one of the riders, he reached over to grab it to steady it. Y'all with me? And God killed him. I'm pretty sure his name was Uzzah. And it scared David to death. And he just sent it to, I don't remember the dude's name. You can read it and find out. He said, and he just left it. A little time went by. A little time went by. A word got back to David. He said, you remember where you left that ark? Remember that fellow's house you left that ark at? Man, God is blessing the fire out of him. David said, we need to get the ark back where it belongs. In the second part of that scripture, in the second part of that scripture, where is it? Let me, let me, 1 Chronicles 15, 1. This is what happens. Now, now stay with me now. Look at me, look at me, look at me. The second time he went to get the ark, he got instructions this time. He said, guys, the first time we did this, we didn't do it right. We didn't do it like God said. We didn't do it the way that God commanded us to do it, and because of that, we paid the price. This time we're going to do it God's way. So guess what they did? They got their poles... And they went and the right people carried it in the right way for the right reason and they brought it and put it where it belonged and God's blessings came on the nation. Now I said all of that to say this. In our walk, our daily walk with God, if we're expecting victory in our daily life, we cannot treat God like a buddy. 
He's not the old man upstairs. He's not the big guy in the sky. I hear celebrities speak that kind of talk on TV and it makes my blood boil. God is holy. God is reverent. God is pure. Are y'all with me? And we need to respect God. We need to respect His Word. We need to respect His way. I'm, I'm afraid there's way too many Christians that are really careless with God. And you say, but He's our companion. He sure is. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, but He's not our pal. He's our God. He's our Creator. He is our King. No one would have the audacity to walk into the king's palace and say, Hey, man, what's happening? And I think sometimes we don't experience the power of God and we may experience some repercussions because of our attitude when it comes toward God. God cares about how we approach Him. God cares about how we live our life. How many times have we read in 1 Peter? We've been going through the book of 1 Peter. Be ye, come on, be ye, for I am holy. Maybe we haven't been experiencing prosperity. Maybe we haven't been experiencing good success because we haven't been living holy. We haven't been living a life of respect and honor to the king. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. So I'm, I'm, I'm following the Word. But are you reverencing and respecting Him? Because how we follow determines what we receive from Him. And all God's people say it. Secondly, number two, <clears throat> there's a following required. If we're going to be victorious in our Christian walk, we have to follow Him. We follow the Scriptures. We follow the Spirit. We learn to respect God. can't be careless but then number two there's a preparation required look in verse number five <clears throat> and joshua said unto the people what's that word everybody say it everybody say it you know what that means it's an old-fashioned term for take a bath and as we apply it that doesn't mean, okay, we're going to be victorious. We need to make sure and take a shower every morning. That's, that's not. It's talking about spiritually speaking. Let me, let, me, let me look at your notes. Look at your notes. If the experience of Israel at Mount Sinai was the pattern of what we're looking at about sanctifying ourselves, it meant that everybody bathed and changed their clothes and that the married couples devoted themselves wholly to the Lord. In other words, they, they uh, abstained for the, the period of time that they're sanctifying themselves and, 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 and uh, committing themselves wholly to God. In the Bible, the imagery of washing one's body and changing clothes symbolized making a new beginning with the Lord. Since sin is pictured as defilement, God has to cleanse us from before we can truly follow Him. When Jacob made a new beginning with the Lord and returned to Bethel, he and his family washed themselves and changed their garments. After King David confessed his sin, he bathed, changed clothes, and worshipped the Lord. This imagery is carried over in the New Testament also. Now, what's the point? 
Now, you've got to think about this. They're in the, they're in the desert. They're in, they're in a, a, a place and a climate. Everybody in this building has a shower in their house, or hope you do anyway. And that's, it's readily available, but it wasn't in that day. Water was a, really, it was a luxury. And you didn't waste good water that you would need to survive with in taking a bath and taking a shower. That's why they, were, they used perfume a lot or anything like that, that to, to help with those issues. But any time there was a fresh start with God, any time you were starting over, if you will, he would always have them wash and take and change their clothes because everything is brand new now. Now, what is the point? In 1 John chapter number 1, the Bible says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to, what's that word? Cleanse. He is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What's the point? We need to have a clear record with God. We need to have a clear conscience with God. Too many people and too many Christians are having struggles in their life because they have things in their life that does not need to be there. They have issues in their life that they need to confess and forsake, that we need to come to God and we need to clear it out. Oh, God, forgive me of my attitude. Lord, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my disobedience. Forgive whatever it might be. We need to be like the psalmist when he said, Search me, O Lord, know my heart. Search me, seek me out from top to bottom, from inside out. Tell me if there's any wicked way in me. Is there anything from hindering you from moving in my life? Is there anything from me hearing from you? Is there anything that's keeping the power of God from moving in my life? Lord, I confess it. Lord, take it away. Wash me white as snow. Well, we get quiet right there, don't we? Sometimes we don't want to say, God, search me, because... We know what he's going to find. You see, here's the thing. We cannot expect to have victory if we're holding on to sin. In other words, there are certain things. There, and you can't, you can't have a list. Okay, God, we're, well, let's, 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 let's negotiate this. I'm going to give up this, this, and this, but I'm going to hold on to... That don't ever work. Preacher, I don't know why I keep messing up. Yeah, you do. Listen, God never moved in their situation till they sanctified themselves. Now, now, if you're expecting victory, now, now think about this. How many of y'all, they're, they're going into a place with giants. Giants. Now, if I'm going to fight somebody, I want them to be little. Amen? I'm not just going to go in the, biggest, in the place and pick out the biggest dude. Are y'all with me? I'm going to fight somebody I think I can take. Say Amen. But this is not the case with them. The, the Jewish people traditionally were smaller people. And when they saw the people in the promised land, they were giants. To the point, to the point that they said, we're grasshoppers. Y'all with me? Now, if we're going to face that kind of enemy, and you do every week, 
When you walk out of those doors, guys, when you walk out of those doors, there's an enemy waiting on you. Peter said it this way, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devils, has a roaring lion. Now imagine that. How many of y'all watch National Geographic? That's the problem. How many of y'all have ever seen, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of those wilderness shows, wildlife shows, with a lion chasing down the, the giraffe or, or the zebra? Y'all with me? At least lie to me. Raise your hand. Y'all know what I'm talking about. He chases them down and destroys them. According to Peter, there's something out there that's waiting on you. He's hunting you. He is, he is pacing himself. He's watching you. He's watching for your weaknesses. That lion, that lion will pick out the weakest one. That lion will pick out the baby giraffe or the baby zebra. He's looking for the weakest one in the herd. And he'll try to cull them off. And some of you are weak. And that lion's out there. And we're sitting in here playing games. Thinking, oh, I can hold on to my sin. And as you're holding on to your sin, you're getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And the devil will get the weakest among us. And sin's just like a disease. It doesn't stay small. It's like that little white lie that we tell. That we had to tell another one to cover that one. And then another one to cover that one. And then we just covered the other one. And, and, and it snow. Are y'all with me? It's compared to leaven. Put a little bit of leaven in the lump and it leaveneth the whole lump. God is saying sin will spread. It doesn't stay small. It's a disease. It's killing us. And it's causing us not to have victory. It's causing us to live in defeat. It's causing us not to have prosperity. It's causing us not to have success. And the first step to success, God just says, Hey, take a bath. Apply that spiritually. Come to God and get clean. Come clean with God. Say, God, here I am. What's in me that needs to go? So a preacher, I haven't robbed no bank and I ain't out getting drunk. I'm not. Yeah, but have you got an unforgiving spirit? If someone hurts you that you're holding a grudge against. Is there something in your life you haven't let go? Is there something, is there a neighbor that you just... I don't know what yours is. I know what mine is. You know what yours is. God says, come get clean. And you know what's so cool about this? There are so many cultures. There's so many religions, false religions, where you have to pay. You have to do penance. You have some, some crazy tribal religion. You've got to crawl on your knees a certain amount till they're bloody to try to pay for your sin. Well, see, Jesus, he paid for it on that cross. So all we have to do is say, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Sanctify yourselves. Number three. What was number one? There is a... Come on, everybody. There is a... Number two, there is a preparation required. Number three. <clears throat> number three, write this down. <clears throat> There's movement required. I love this. I love this. I, I, 
I, I kept reading, I kept reading, I kept reading, I kept reading. So I went back, I went back all the way to chapter 1. I went back all the way to chapter 1. Do you realize that this book started with God speaking? Let me, let me prove it. Flip over, grab your Bible, flip over to chapter 1. Chapter 1. Chapter 1. Hurry, hurry, we've got 18 minutes. That's nine minutes per point. All right, you ready? Now, after the death of Moses, servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord, that the Lord, now watch. Now, if you go from, if you go from verse 1 to verse 9, it's the Lord speaking. It's the Lord speaking. He encourages him. He says, I'm going to be with you like I was with Moses. Uh, every, every, every place your foot steps on, I'm going to give it to you. Uh, be strong and very courageous. Uh, uh, follow the law. Don't let it depart out of thy mouth. Study it, learn it, obey it, apply it, blah, 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 right? But the main thing he said, the main thing he said, look there. Woo-hoo, that's scary. Say amen. They got to leave them things on so they don't spook me in the middle of my sermon. Amen. All right. Look what he says. Verse 2. You ready? Here's the primary thing. Here's the primary thing God says. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this. That's the primary thing he said. That was his primary instruction. Go over this Jordan. Now, if we go from there to go to chapter 2, to go to chapter 3, Halfway through chapter 3, God still ain't said nothing else. Read it. Not now, but read it at home. God ain't said nothing else. You say, what's your point? God didn't say, now when you get to Jordan, you're going to... He didn't give him instructions. He didn't give him, listen, any kind of explanations. He didn't give him any details. All he said, go over this Jordan. Now watch. It's so good. Watch this. Verse 6, chapter 3, verse 6. Watch, watch. Y'all watching? I can't watch because I can't see. Here we go. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Joshua, now remember, we have not heard from the Lord. Till the first verse, first couple of verses of chapter one, right? Watch this, watch this. And Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and now, now watch, now watch. He said, What's the big deal? It's flooding. The river is raging. Some commentary said it's a mile wide. They're carrying the ark. How are they going to pass over? Are y'all not getting this? He didn't give them instructions. Well, what did he do? He just told them what God said. That's it. That's all he said. You know why? That's all he had. All right. All right. Imagine these, these these four priests on each corner 
They're holding, they're standing here in their way, and, 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 and they're standing at the river, mile wide, flowing, just raging. It's, it's flooding. And they're standing here, and, and you hear from Joshua, pass over, boys. Can you imagine the looks they gave each other? He said, did you hear what he said? Right? Watch. This is so good. Look at verse 7. And the, and the Lord said, We haven't even heard from the Lord till Joshua was obedient to the first thing he said. God didn't give him number two. Joshua had to step out in faith. Are you getting this? Uh, it wasn't until, it wasn't until Joshua stepped out in faith that God gave him the next step. God was waiting on Joshua to see if Joshua was going to have the faith to believe him before he gave him the details and the explanation how. What's the point? Some of y'all are wanting to see God move, but God's waiting on you to move. Some of you are waiting on explanations from God on how he's going to do what he told you to do, and God's not going to give you them till you start doing what he told you to do. Because a moving car is always easier to steer. You see, some of you are here and God's called you to do something. And you're just sitting here thinking, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Because most of the time, God calls us to do something we can't do. Because if we could do it, we'd get to glory. So God calls a little, little squirt named David to fight a big old giant so God would get all the glory. But David didn't sit up in that valley and say, I know I'm supposed to go fight him, but how am I going to do that? He just went on down there. What am I saying? At some point, at some point, we have to exercise faith. We're waiting for the miracle. And God's waiting for the movement. I mean, I, let me give you something else. Watch this. Look, at, look, look, look in hmm, verse 14. Verse 14. Are you there? And it came to pass, what's that word? When, when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priests bearing the ark. In other words, when they took the step to do, you see, nothing had happened in Jordan yet. Jordan's still flowing. It's still raging. It's still going by. Now the people have instructions. You know what? They could have been like most Christians today and waited in their tent. Okay, it's still flowing, boys. I'm waiting on God to move. 
Well, God's waiting on you to move. Well, as soon as this water stops, guess what? Sometimes you got to get your feet wet to keep them dry. <laughs> Some of you are going to get this. The Bible says they stepped in. They got their feet. They got their feet wet. Watch the last verse. Look at the last verse. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on. Mm. I don't want to. I don't. Yeah, I'm scared. I, hey. Sometimes you have to take a step of faith. Jesus told Peter, come on out here. You remember when he was walking on the water? That first step was a booger. <clears throat> but you'll never get out of the boat unless you take that first step. You see, the water never stopped till the people did what God told them to do. In other words, let me, let me see if I can put it this way. If God's told you to do something, if God's told you to attempt something, if God's told you to try something, if God has spoken, all right, I want peace, I want peace. Well, if there's a sin in your life that God's told you to deal with, He's not going to give you peace till you fix that. He will not give us further instructions till we've been obedient to the previous ones. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm parking in y'all's garage tonight. Yeah, yeah, I know that preacher. I know I, know I need to. I know I'm supposed to. You know, I, I know God wants me to. But I'm really. No, no buts. We just want to, we just want to, we just want to, uh, how's that, what's that monopoly? You know where you, you just, yeah, pass, go. Just, just get, no. We, we, we don't, no, no, God, God doesn't work that way. I'm telling you, you go read the scriptures verse by verse by verse, because I went down specifically looking for it, looking for it. God never said another word for the next step till they did the first one. And when they did the first one, did you see that? Verse 6 of chapter 3 was the fulfillment of verse 1 and 2 of chapter 1. And as soon as it was fulfilled, the very next verse, God said, now here's how you're going to do it. Some of you need to quit looking for an explanation and just get busy. Are you all with me? It's going it's to get better, I promise. <clears throat> Number, number four, quickly, quickly, quickly. Man, we got to get to this. Hurry, hurry. Does this make sense? Is this making sense? Okay. All right. Number four, not only is there movement required, not only is there a following required, we got to learn to follow the Word in the Spirit as it leads and guides us. Uh, there is a preparation involved. we got to come clean. we got to come clean if we're going to experience victory in our life. Uh, we got to take a step of faith. If God said something to you, do it now. Don't wait, all right? Number four, there's a learning required. <clears throat> there's a learning required. You remember what I started with tonight? Why in the world 
would God pick this time of year to cross this kind of obstacle when it's the very worst time and it's when the obstacle is the worst? With me? Why would God do that? That don't even make sense. Watch. Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. When you get there, say amen. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with, so I will be with. Now watch, verse 10. Verse 10, let's put them together. And Joshua said, Hereby, hereby, what does that mean? What you're fixing to witness. He is speaking to the people. And he's saying, you're fixing to see something. And it's bad to the bone. You're, you're fixing to witness an incredible miracle. Hereby. Is everybody with me on that? He's referring to what's fixing to happen in the Jordan River. Hereby, or other words, by this, ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you all the ites. <clears throat> now watch, now watch. Two things about your obstacle. Two things about what's in front of you right now. Two things about your Jordan River. You, you can put whatever, fill in the blank. It might be marriage problems. It might be career problems. It might be health problems. You, 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 you have your Jordan River. Everybody does. Everybody has their Jordan River. And everybody's Jordan River looks intimidating. And no matter what it is, it could be a court date, whatever it is. It could be a problem with a child. It could be a rebellion, whatever it may be. Everybody, are we on the same page? Everybody know what I'm talking about here? Whatever it is, whatever it is, you need to know this. It's ordained by God. In other words, it's not the devil picking on you. It is ordained by God. God is sovereign. God has planned your life out. God knows what He's doing. He knows what you need. And He has orchestrated your life in such a way that He's going to put some things out in front of you that you think is going to kill you, you think is impossible. You don't know how in God's name I'm going to get through this. I don't know how in God's name I'm going to get over this. I don't know how in God's name this is going to benefit me. It's overwhelming. It's flooding the banks. But it was designed by God. Is ordained. Now watch. Your obstacle is not only ordained by God. It's an opportunity. Say that with me. It's an opportunity. To do what? What we read in verse 7 and what we read in verse 10. So you can see how big your God is. Now watch. Watch this. Before he made them stand up against the intimidating 30-foot walls of Jericho, he said, before I ask you to fight, 
Before I ask you to go in and conquer, you need to see who's on your side. What did he do with this obstacle? What did God do with this obstacle? He revealed a chosen leader, verse 7. He said, I'm going to use this. This is going to be a visual illustration to these people that I'm with you too. They said, hey, no, because it's the same thing he did with Moses. You remember the Red Sea? Anybody remember the Red Sea? Guess what? Joshua and Caleb is, is, is the only ones that came out in adulthood that saw the Red Sea. Same thing he did with Moses, he's doing with Joshua. Isn't that amazing that the beginning of the Exodus is the same as the end of the Exodus? The beginning of the Exodus, they were crossing the Red Sea on dry ground. The end of the Exodus, they're crossing the Jordan River on dry ground. Somebody say amen. See, that thing that you're, 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 you're losing sleep over, that thing that's worrying you to death, your Jordan River's out in front of you and you think it's because you've done something wrong and it's probably most likely because you've done something right. And God wants you to see how big He is. Every obstacle in your life, every obstacle in your marriage, every obstacle in your career, every obstacle you face in your life is ordained by God, placed in front of you to build you, to create faith in you. He wants you to see who He is. Without, listen, a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Y'all with me? Okay, one minute. Watch this. <clears throat> Here's the summary. Here's the summary. Write this down. <clears throat> what do we learn from this chapter? Number one. Number one. Wait on God. Well, I'm ready to cross my Jordan. Well, you better wait on instructions. You with me? Wait on God. Number two. When you do hear from God, act immediately. If you will read the wording of this, as soon as God told Joshua something, he began moving right then. If God tells you to quit something, quit it immediately. If God tells you to forgive somebody, get it done. If God tells you to fix something, get it done. If God tells you to start something, get it done. Act immediately. How many of y'all have, how many of y'all be honest with me right now for just a second? How many of y'all be honest with me? There's been times God told you to do something and, and you kind of put it off and the longer you waited, the harder it was to do. When God tells you something, you do hear from him, act immediately. Oh, I love this one. Oh, I love this one. I love this one. Our responsibility is not to figure. It's to follow. Let me explain. God did not say, now Joshua, go over this Jordan and, 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 and just figure out the best you can to get over it. Nowhere, nowhere in this book will we find God expecting Joshua to figure out how to do what God's called him to do. Nowhere. Not one single time. Every place you find him, God gives him an instruction, and as soon as he takes the step of faith to follow instruction A, God gives him instruction B. 
As soon as they cross over, as soon as they cross over, guess what? God gives them the next instruction on what to do in Jericho. He gives them explicit details. Nowhere does Joshua sit there and, oh yeah, oh yeah, I just lied, I just lied. There is, there is a place where he tried to figure it out on his own. And he even got helpers to figure it out. And said, boys, what do y'all think of I, the city of I? We just, we just whooped Jericho. What do y'all think? And they gave him advice. They figured it out. And guess what? They got whooped. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I, I, I just had to clarify that because I didn't want to lie in the house of the Lord. Say so, amen. There was a time he, he figured it out. But it ended up in failure. What's the point? I don't know about you, but this gives me great peace. That when God does call us to do the impossible, we don't have to figure it out. We don't have to figure out how to pay for it. We don't have to figure out how to get laborers for it. If God calls us to start another service, guess what? I don't have to sit and lay up at night. How am I going to make this happen? I just follow God. God will provide the workers. God will provide the finances. God will provide... Somebody say amen right there. It's not our responsibility to figure it's our responsibility to number four number four. Oh yes oh yes oh yes he says when you see the ark move when you see the ark move what did he say everybody say it everybody say it did you notice he didn't say Go after the promises. Go after the milk and honey. Go in there and try to find the, the wells and the houses. And What's the point? Man, God spoke this to my spirit. He spoke this to my spirit. There's way too many Christians just going after the promises. When God said, go after my presence... If you will go after my presence, it will lead you to the promises. We're working ourselves to the bone for that prosperity and that success and all the things that God said he will give us. When God said, why are you chasing that? Chase me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. I need to learn to work harder. No, you don't. You need to learn. This right here is what you need to learn. You need to learn to follow Him. You need to learn how to spend time in His presence. See, if you'll pursue the presence, you'll get, you'll get the promise. Does that make sense? Church, say amen. 